Welcome to Reliance's Sunday Sermon. Worship with us at 8, 9.30, or 11 o'clock a.m. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. If you are a visitor, uh, welcome. It's good to have you guys with us today. We've been in a series called Christmas in Colossians, and uh, we've just been walking through the book of Colossians, and here's why. Going into the Christmas season, Colossians is high on Jesus. It really makes a big deal about Jesus, and so on week one, we talked about uh, the supremacy of Jesus is what gives us hope. And so we talk about Jesus being supreme means that we have hope, that we're lashed into the supreme one who's overall, in all, through all, holds all, right? And so in that, we have hope. And then last week, Matt Matt talked a little bit about the sufficiency of Jesus, meaning that he has everything in and of himself. He's sufficient in all things. And that should bring us peace, to know that there's nothing outside of him, amen? And so today, we're going to talk about chapter 3 of Colossians, and we're going to talk about a heavenly perspective which brings us joy. Everybody say joy. Now, notice something in our culture. In our culture, if you notice, we're in this never-ending, always constant pursuit of joy. This never-ending, always constant pursuit of pleasure. Something that we're chasing that we think is going to somehow make us happy. Every commercial, every billboard is trying to draw you in that if you can get this, go here, say this, have this, do this thing, be this person, that somehow it's gonna give you a pleasure and a joy in your life. This is what these things are supposed to do. They're trying to tie you in that the thing that you're missing in life is whatever's on that billboard. The thing that you're missing in life is whatever's in that magazine or on that marketing thing. Like that's what it's supposed to do. It wants to give you this idea that we're in this constant pursuit of pleasure and this constant pursuit of joy and that this thing is gonna make it for you. And I tell you, when we talk about joy, it's a, it's a finicky thing. It's up and it's down sometimes in life. I had a time with Christie's folks and, and met in Kansas City and uh, had a chance to spend the uh, Christmas kind of time with Christie's folks and, and met in Kansas City. And so one of the gifts that my brother-in-law gave to the boys and my boys for the first time, like super stoked and we showed up and I remember my boys, they opened their eyes like when they saw the stadium, like super big and like, this is the coolest thing. You just see a Raiders fans and there was, and we got there and we walked around the parking lot. You had Chiefs fans, you had Raiders fans and there was intes- anticipation in everybody's heart. Everybody was pretty joyful in the parking lot for those first few moments. It was exciting. Everybody was like, my team's got it, my team's got it. There was just a lot of joy. And then the opening play happened. (laughs) Come on. The opening play happened. And the very first play, they fumbled the ball, we got it, we scored a touchdown, and all the Raiders fans were just deflated. And I was like, praise Jesus, (laughs) right? And I mean, you could just see it throughout the game, the anticipation, the joy that they thought that they were gonna roll in to Arrowhead and put, you know, stomp us into the ground. You could see their their joy was just deflated more and more and more. But on the Chiefs side, they were like more and more and more excited, right? And so then all of a sudden, it starts getting chippy in the stadium, right? So we had these Chiefs guys that were pretty mouthy, and we had these Raiders guys over here that were definitely mouthy, right? And all of a sudden, towards the end of the game, these guys start yelling at these guys, and there's just, there was some things said that I can't repeat in here, all right? And we're sitting right in the middle. And my, my, my older son, who's 16 and thinks that he's some stuff, right? He starts getting chippy with the Raiders fan. And he's like, scoreboard, scoreboard. I'm like, oh, dear Lord, I'm getting in a fight. Like, <laughs> this, is, this is not gonna end well, right? 
But in the moment, the moment was there where you could see one team was up so they had joy. One team, fans were down so they didn't. It was turning into anger and frustration. And I thought to myself in that moment, how finicky our joy is in the things of life. We start off, we're all on the same playing field. Oh, we got joy, got joy. And then the, depending on how life hands you things is how you begin to see joy in life. I thought, that's not the way that the Lord has showed us, amen? Everything in our life is driven by this natural desire for happiness and pleasure. I said it before. There's, this really, there's really nothing in our life that's not driven by some type of a pleasure or an experience for happiness or an experience for joy. Even if you're in this room and, 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 and you, you've done things to yourself that have caused pain, my guess is that that pain is trying to replace something in you, that you think that pain is gonna take away some other big pain and that temporary pain that you feel, whether you cut yourself or something that you've done in your life, is to try to numb something else you think it's gonna give you a pleasure for a moment. So everything, whether it's good or, or bad, we're in this pursuit of how do I get joy, pleasure, how do I get happiness in my life? There's a word that we have in our English dictionary that we describe this with, with. it's called a hedonist. And I've shared this before in here, but a hedonist, a hedonist is this, a person who believes that the pursuit of pleasure is the most important thing in life. By nature, our sin nature, we are all in of, of ourselves, we're hedonists by our sin nature. It started in the beginning at the tree where God right there was not going to be pleasurable enough for Adam and Eve, but that fruit was. If I can have this and it can bring pleasure to my life, the, the, the hill, we know how that ended, but right there it started this ball rolling down the, 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 the hill where all of us now are in pursuit. We all have this hedonistic nature inside of us of going, well, I want pleasure and I want joy. Do you guys see that? And so this is where we're at. We all are chasing this things so that what we do or what we think is somehow going to bring me joy and, and happiness. And what we're gonna see play out in scripture today is this theme that Jesus is way better than all of that. That he's ultimate and supreme over all of that and he is your ultimate pleasure and joy. It, it's why we read Luke 2, 8 again, both, both times for the candle and for the kids. The angels declaring to the shepherds, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. Now notice that it wasn't that the angels were great joy, and notice it wasn't the atmosphere that was great joy. Notice what the great joy was. We bring you good news that will bring great joy, and then they tell them what the great joy is going to be. A savior, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today. The joy and the good news for all people is that Jesus, into Colossians here, Colossians, this is why it changes everything. So Colossians then, jumping into Colossians here. Colossians, I believe this is gonna tell us how we get to this place of joy. We're gonna be set and fixed, and here it is, Colossians 3.1. If then, everybody say if then, you have been raised with Christ. Now I'm gonna talk about that here in a minute. That's a question. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. The NLT says, set your minds on the realities of heaven, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above and not on things on the earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Amen. 
So all of this joy that we're going to talk about today stems from the same tagline that we say every single Sunday in various ways. And all of this joy stems from this, that you've got to know Jesus and know your position in him. It's the same thing. So it starts with, how do I get this joy that you're talking about? you got to know Jesus and know your position in him. I've shared this uh, quote before in here, but the world's definition of joy is based on what flows to you. What I get, what do I get, what do I get? God's definition of joy has much more to do with who flows from you, right? So there's either something coming to you that you think is going to bring joy or something coming from you, and it's Jesus that's given you joy. Now, why is this important? David captured this in his heart. The Old Testament man, David, gets this. I think he had this revelation of this already in his heart, and he says this in Psalm 17. He says, other men have their portion in this world. Other people found their portion in this world. They found their their thing that they're latching onto that they think is gonna bring them pleasure. Other men have their portion in this world. As for me, I'll be satisfied when I behold your face and awaken in your likeness. That's David's heart. What's gonna bring me the ultimate satisfaction is when I can see your face and awaken in your likeness. That's gonna bring me the greatest joy and pleasure. You see, David understood that all the things that he could get as a king weren't going to hell in comparison to being in the presence of Jesus. This is the joy that we're talking about today, the freedom from beauty and success and sensuality and that he, that Jesus, is the one who just get, if I can just get, if I can just get. It's freedom when we see that Jesus is the one who gives us the greatest joy that we can have in our life. And so he opens up with these words, if then you were raised with Christ. Everything in your life hinges on, you need to know that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, amen. Everything in your life as a believer, right? Do you know that because he was raised from the dead, you too will be raised from the dead? If then you were raised with Christ, it all Christ, and because of that, you heard right there that we have been raised to new life with Christ, and because of that, you have a new position. And he's gonna tell us what that new position is in verse three. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, you will also appear with him in glory. So your current position as a believer is that you are hidden in Christ. What's that mean? Paul will tell us in Ephesians 2, verse 6, what that means. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ, and he seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So your current position is that you're hidden in Christ, seated in the heavenly places. So you've got a view where you're looking down and you can see all the things that are happening in your life by trusting the Lord and going pure in him. I know that at the end of the day, I know that he has me. I know that he's, I'm secure in him. I know that at the end of the day, whatever blows in and blows out, whatever highs and lows I go through, I can still have my joy set in him. Now, I wanna tell you why this is good news. Jesus is gonna reiterate some of this in John 15 when he talks about being connected to the vine and the branches. You gotta remember that? Apart from me, you can do nothing. Stay connected, abide in me. Stay connected to the vine. You're like a vine and branches. And then he's gonna say these words in John 15, 11. So he's saying, abide in me, stay connected to me. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And then he says in John 15, 11, I have told you this. I've told you to stay connected to me so that my joy 
may be in you and your joy may be complete. You see, when the joy of the Lord is in you, your joy will be complete, amen. Doesn't mean your situations will change. Doesn't mean that life's not gonna throw you any curve. You're connected to the Lord and hear some difficult things in your life. It just simply means that when you're connected to the Lord and his joy is flowing into you, your joy will be complete. Now, ooh, here we go. This is the picture that David gets in Psalm 1611. Why he says these words, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is partial joy. What do he say? Fullness of joy. I'm the fullest with joy when I'm in your presence. Now here's the deal. If you look at Luke chapter two when the angels appeared among them, this is how Luke records that they looked. It says, the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. What made the angels spectacular wasn't that they looked really, really pretty. What made the angels spectacular was the Lord's glory was surrounding them. And because the Lord's glory was surrounding them and they came and they heralded this message of joy, they're really giving us an indication of where joy comes from. Joy comes from knowing the glory of the Lord. So if you're lacking in, you're putting your glory somewhere else and not the glory of the Lord. Let me explain this a little bit deeper for you guys here. In Romans 3, 23, this is how he's gonna, Paul's gonna talk about sin. He says, for all have fallen short, all have sinned, right? All have fallen short of the what? The glory of the Lord. He's saying where we've fallen short is, is the glory of the Lord. We all lack a little bit of falling short of the glory of the Lord. So Paul's defining sin here in this moment as falling short of God's glory. His glory is where we're falling short of. We lack giving God his glory. And let me show you why I believe this to be so true in our lives. If you backtrack just two chapters from Romans 3.23 and you go to Romans 1.23, this is what he said. We exchange the glory of God for what? Images. You see, the glory of God that brings us fullness of joy, the glory of God that fills us up to overflowing with joy, the glory of God that announces joy, joy, great joy for all people. He says that in our sin nature, we traded that glory of God and we put that glory on other things that are images made. Other things that are out there. So we put glory in my job and glory in my car and glory in my house and glory in my friendships and glory in my relationships. I glory in my money. I glory in my bank account. I glory in having fun in life. I glory in all of these things and I'm constantly wondering why my joy is up and down. Because I've glory. glory belongs to him. And God says that the glory belongs to him. We exchange the glory of God for that of images. We've misplaced our glory. Somewhere along the line of sin, we misplaced where we put our joy at. Let's say it like that. If true joy only comes from the presence of God, we've traded that, we've exchanged that for the glory of other things that somehow in our hedonistic ways we think is gonna fill us up. It's gonna bring me pleasure. If I can just get this one more thing, though, it's gonna bring me a little bit more pleasure. You guys hear what I'm saying? This is the battle that we're engaged in. And so, again, David, I just feel like he's got it. Psalm 16, the very start of it, before he says, 
that, that in, in your presence is fullness of joy. In Psalm 16, verse one, he says, preserve me, O God, for I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Look what David says. He says, I have no good apart from you. That's what Jesus says in John 15. Apart from the vine, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. David says, I have no good apart from you. And then at the very end of that, he says those fullness of joy. And then you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. And then the Lord showed me something. Look, at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. David may not know what he's saying, but the Lord is downloading something to his heart that hand our pleasures forevermore. Where does Jesus sit at? Where? At your right hand, Jesus. David is catching a revelation, a glimpse of God and going, at your right hand, Jesus is pleasure forevermore. You're not gonna find it outside of him. You're not gonna get it outside of him. Just have that joy everlasting suit and wondering why is life doing this, that, and why can't I just have that joy everlasting? Because joy everlasting isn't in the things that we're pursuing. Joy everlasting, pleasure forevermore is seated at the right hand of the Father in Christ Jesus. Once you settle that part in your heart, once that's done with, he's it, he's it, he's it, then this next part we can actually do. Everybody say look up. Oh, I say, everybody, everybody say, look up. <laughs> there we go, much better. Now, changes how we, th- now he's gonna tell things when we bring joy into our life. So, Colossians 3, 1 and 2. If you've been raised with Christ, now he's gonna tell us what to do. Look up. Seek the things that are above. Anticipate the things in heaven. Go after the things that are above. Position yourself in the things that are above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on things that are on earth. Here's something I want you to hear. Where you position your mind is where you'll position your life. Where you position your mind is where you'll position your life. And I would add this, where your mind dwells will determine where your joy dwells. It's such a big deal that right after this, in verse five of Colossians three, this is what Paul's gonna say. Put to death what is earthly in you. This is such a big deal that we look up. It's such a big deal that we're looking up. It's such a big deal that we know to look up that Paul is gonna say in this moment, put to death what is earthly in you. Then he's gonna go through a series of things, slander and malice and sensuality and sexuality and all these things, he says, that are corrupting us. Give us the list that's gonna bring joy into our life. But he is so bent on you and I looking up that he's gonna say, put to death looking down. So much of scripture, so much of what you read in the Psalms, so much of what you read in the Old Testament especially is this verbiage that God is the lifter of your head. I wonder why. Because when we're constantly looking down and we're not setting our minds on things above, all we see is our circumstances and that doesn't bring me joy. But when God is constantly lifting my head, why why did it say he's the lifter of our head? Because he wants you to look up. Look up, look up. Set your minds, seek the things of heaven. And this is what God's people did constantly throughout the Old Testament. They were constantly people that were looking forward and looking up, 
even when they had captivity over them. The Romans, the Babylonians, the Syrians, all of these people that were constantly conquering them, constantly over them, constantly doing work on them that was not pleasant, that was not joyful. They always had a perspective of remembering what the prophet said. And what the prophet said is, there's coming another one like Moses, but not Moses. And this is what he says in Isaiah 50, 11. God would raise up a new deliverer like Moses because he's speaking about Jesus. So these people, under tremendous pressure of being crushed, they kept going. He said he's coming. We believe it. We're looking up. Thousand years goes by. He said he's coming. We're looking up. Next generation, next generation, next generation until the angels come in Luke chapter two and herald this word. Great joy is here. A savior has been born. You see, this changed everything, and this is what biblical joy looks like. Biblical joy isn't God got me out of my circumstance. Praise the Lord that he did that, amen? But what happens if he didn't get you out of your circumstance? Can you still have joy? Biblical joy says that one day, one day, whether it's now or when that eastern sky rips open, God is getting me out of my circumstance, So it's not about just the here and now. It's about what his promise says that he will do. So biblical joy, joy of God's people was not determined by their circumstances or their struggles. It was determined by the future destiny God had already spoken over their life. This is where joy comes from. And this is why Nehemiah can say in Nehemiah 8.10, do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord. Things that God had done for them, they were strength. They remembered all the things that God had done for them. They remembered God's promises. They did not stop looking up. And this is why so often Satan's goal is to simply attack your joy because if he can attack your joy through circumstances, difficulties, whatever it is, he knows that we are in a weak, vulnerable state. If the joy of the Lord is our strength, then he knows that we'll be in a weak and a vulnerable state. And this is what it looks like to be future forward looking people. Jesus is gonna reiterate it in John 16, 12 when he says these words. I tell you, tell you, uh, I wanna tell you so much more, but you can't bear it now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will tell you what he has heard. Look what he says. He will tell you about the what? I would say future. Is it not up there? Okay, <laughs> you, you wouldn't. He will tell you about the future. That's what he says about the Holy Spirit. Why is it so important that Holy Spirit is downloading with us about the future? Because when we are forward-looking people and looking up people, what it does is it doesn't get us into that immediate place where we're going, I'm never getting out. Forward-looking of people and the Holy Spirit's downloading on us what is coming. And he's just putting that longing in our heart that this isn't it, this isn't it, this isn't it. There's a reality of heaven and it's coming. It gets our hearts in a place of joy and anticipation. It gets us out of going, this is where I'll be my whole life and this is just it. It reminds us this is not it. Come on, church. It changes everything and it starts with looking forward and setting our hearts to look up. And he says these words, you're gonna see me in a little while and in a little while you won't see me. In other words, I'm gonna be dead in a little while and then you'll see me because I'm gonna raise from the dead. And he says those famous words, your, your sorrow, you'll have sorrow now, but I will say it again, you will rejoice and no one, no one will rob that joy from you. It changes it all. And then he says, then you can ask in my name and receive and you will have abundant joy. Then it becomes all about him. Oh, I wish we had more time. So 
Here's what I want you to get today. There's this quote that I read, and it says, we must not just seek heaven, we must think heaven all the time. We're all in here probably because you're seeking, like, Lord, I want to make it to heaven. Think, I want to be there, I want to be there. Right? We want to be there. But he says, don't just seek heaven, think heaven. Think about that position that you have. Think about that place that you're seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Think about the things that he's doing. Think about things above and not the things below. That word seek marks this desire and dear one day. I love that he's going to take and love the things of heaven. I love that he's going to wipe away every tear one day. I love that he's going to take and take away all the chaos and brokenness and wipe it away one day. I love that. I'm going to think that way right now. Practically, practically in Ephesians or Philippians 4.8, this is a good place to, to Philippians 4.8 just kind of jumped out and things above. We were in a prayer time the other day and, and, and Philippians 4.8 just kind of jumped out and this is what I think that this is the starting place for our mindset. Here's what Paul's gonna say. Finally, set you free. Whatever. Why does he say whatever is true? Because if you know the truth, the truth will what? Set you free. Whatever is true, think about it. Whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's just. How many of you guys know the Lord loves justice? Whatever is pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's commendable, if there's any excellence, Anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Set your minds on these things. Look up and see these things, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Practice these. These are the realities of heaven. Peace will be with you. These are the realities of heaven. Whatever's pure and lovely, admirable, commendable, true. But here's the thing, it's a choice. You don't have to dwell there. You can dwell here if you want, it's a choice. You can think high or you can think low, it's a choice. You can follow him, you cannot follow him, it's a choice. One more thing, if I can just get that, I know I get pleasure, I know I, I, know I get joy. If I just get that, if we're chasing those things and we feel like it's, oh, we're always missing it, it's because we are. We're chasing the wrong things. If I put more glory into my job and more glory into what I have and more glory into what I want to get and more glory into what I'm going to get when I can just get that last sum of whatever, I'm missing it. And I've traded the glory of the Lord for the glory of made things. I'm not going to find that joy that's fullness, that joy that's everlasting. Because in him, in him is fullness of joy. So we were in a prayer time last two Thursdays ago, and we started reading this scripture verse, and we've got these sure, and they just start singing now. And these guys, man, they they take scripture and they just start singing songs out of the word. Like you're not gonna Google and find this song. They just take the word, they sing over, and then they just start singing it. And we started singing this rhythm of the song over and over and over. And my heart was just like, oh, this is it. And all day long, this song was stuck in my head. And I was just singing it over and over in my head. I thought, we're going to end. It's God's song. It's his word. He just put it to music. Why is it so important? Because I could give you a song and say, hey, here's a, a song from 20 years ago that you haven't heard for 20 years, Ice Ice Baby, and you'd be like, stop. 
collaborate and listen. You'd know it. You had sung it for 20 years, but you know why? Because you had it on play in your car, over, rolling in my fire. You know what I'm saying? You, you had it over and over and over. This is what I want this song to become. I want it to be so fresh in you that every day it's like, whatever is lovely, I'll think on this. I just want this to just roll with you. So here's what I want to do. Jason's going to sing it over us. I just want you to close your eyes and listen. And then this next time it comes through, the words will be up here on the screen. So set with this song, just rolling over and over. This is what it looks like to look up. This is what it looks like to set our eyes on the to start thinking on things above and not below. This is what it looks like to set our eyes on the realities of heaven. In Philippians 4, he'll tell us what some of those things are. So Father, deeply see this in whose heads are hanging low, thinking and dwelling on where can I find my next joyful thing, but people who look up in real circumstances say, we'll state of joy when we're in your presence, despite what our circumstances say, despite what our situations spell out we can have the joy of the Lord. Let Jay sing this over today. Think on these things. There is true. We will think on these things. Whatever is honorable, we will think on these things. Whatever is just, we will think on these things. If it's worthy of praise, we will. 
will think on these things. We will think on these things. We will think on these things. Father, thank you that you've set our eyes on the realities of heaven. You tell us to put to death, put to death the earthly things that are lurking. Promises fixed just simply to get our eyes fixed on your promises, fixed on what you've done, fixed on what you're doing. God, we said it earlier, we know there's... In this room, God, we said it earlier, we know there's despair. We know it. We know there's brokenness. We know there's darkness. We know there's difficulty. We know there's loneliness. We know there's depression. We get, we get, God, there's all these things. And I pray that today, freedom would begin to pour in by looking up, thinking up, living up, and remembering our position in you. So Father, today as we walk out of this room, pray that captives are set free. Pray that sons and daughters are seated in the heavenly places. Sons and daughters are seated with Christ where there's pleasure forevermore. And I pray that we would know that today as we walk out of this place, there's fullness of joy in one place and one place alone. Fullness of joy is in you, Jesus. In your name we pray these things. And all God's people said, man, God bless you guys. We will see you on Christmas Eve. Thanks for tuning in today. To find out how to get more involved, go to reliancecommunity.org. Have a great week.